Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Time Between Times Storytelling with me, Owen Staten. The nights are still dark, the days are still short, but the time for tales is always. So join me as I tell you another fantastical folktale from the annals of British history today on Time Between Times Storytelling. But first, let me thank all my supporters, those who support me on Ko-fi and Patreon, for all your amazing efforts. Without you, I would not continue to produce this podcast every week and bring these tales to new audiences. You have enabled me to buy new recording equipment, new programmes, and just give me a bit of joy in my heart. Diolch Galon, thank you ever so much. So, sit back, relax, close your eyes if it's safe to do so, and join me at the fire pit, at the heart of the forest. Take a deep breath. Imagine you are sitting in your favourite armchair. You put down a hot drink. Gather yourself. Stand up and make your way to the hall where your coat hangs on a hanger near the door. You take it off. Immediately you start to feel its warmth. You put on the coat, maybe a warm scarf and gloves. Open your front door and step out onto the pathway. The cars are zooming past. A motorbike heads up the road. Far away, a large bus is driving rather quickly. But you know that all this rush is nothing for you. For you are headed into the woods. You walk down the path. You take that right turn. The mist is starting to fall like a shroud. Your hands are in your pockets as you see the forest in front of you. The leaves are dead like a big, bushy carpet. You step on them and hear them crunch. Under the forest eaves you step, the trees stretching to the sky. The path winds around and soon you are almost lost in the darkness, but it is the time between times, the time when it's neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey. Both the moon and the sun share the same sky. And you know that this is a time of magic. This is the time when the veil between our world and the fairy world is wafer, wafer thin. So thin that we can reach into their realm. And for a few moments, and just a few moments, they can reach into ours. Now is the time that people see lights in the sky. Now is the time that people see ghosts. Now is the time that the Tulwith Teg dance under the moonlight. Now is the time between times. You arrive at the fire pit. The fire is crackling in the night. You can feel its warmth even from a distance. And you make your way to sit on an old log and look around. For the clearing is already full of friends. You nod a greeting and they nod back. 
They are all happy to be here. Their eyes light up when they see your face. You can feel there's magic in the air. In the trees nearby, shadows flit from tree to tree. Something flies above you. You should be afraid, but you are not, because this is truly a safe place. All your cares and all your worries vanish on the wind. As the storyteller begins his tale. Let me take you long ago and far away to the village of Bleeden, just south of the newish town of Western Supermare it lies. But its history goes back millennia. The tale I'm about to tell you is one of terror and horror and heroism, and one that we should all enjoy listening to. For on a day many hundreds of years ago, the fate of Bleeden was very much in the balance. It is built on a tidal flat. The people of the area made a living carrying reeds and cutting them, fishing, gathering the detritus that was brought in by the tide. It was a hard life, but a good life. Overnight they would gather in the centre of the village and sing songs. The time between times was important to them. But one day, an old woman called Edith was out gathering reeds on the flats. She did this back-breaking work day after day and had done it for many years, walking from the village out while the tide was out, to gather the reeds, put them in a great bag on her back and bring them back, selling them so they could be used for all manner of things. This day, while she was out there gathering the reeds, the rain had fallen incessantly and the ground was damp. But suddenly she heard and saw something she did not expect. Outside of the village there was a small hillock and upon that hillock there was a warning pyre. She heard what she thought was a drum beat, then looked at the hillock and saw that the pyre was alight. The morning sky was lit up by an eerie glow and she turned and suddenly looked out to sea. To her horror, she saw seven boats starting to make their way towards the village. Seven dragon-headed boats and this meant only one thing. The Vikings were coming. The scourge of the seas, the terror of these coastal villages. Her heart started to beat so fast she felt it would burst from her chest and she turned to run to the village. But where she was was far away and the tide had started to come in and it was not a safe path. But she made her way slowly back there, only realising when she got there that all the villagers had fled, leaving her alone. She moved slowly, years of arthritis, and made sure her legs would not go quickly. And she looked around and saw that the ships had beached on the flat and warriors were starting to jump from them, hooting and howling to the wind and rushing towards the village. She put down her bag of reeds and thought, What can I do? If they catch me here, they will surely kill me. She knew the reed beds well so headed back there, jumping over the small waters, peering through the bushes. 
she found somewhere she thought was safe and started to hide. Crouched down amongst the reeds, she listened and watched as the warriors grew nearer and nearer. They had formed a great line, their shields in the front, and they started to hammer their weapons upon the shields, making a thumping noise that, for us, would sound like an old train making its way towards us. She held her head down and offered a prayer as one warrior came within twenty feet of her, singing his battle songs and banging his shield as he marched towards the village. After a few moments, she heard them cry out in triumph and their shields banging together as they discovered the village abandoned. Hours went past and she did not move. The day turned old until eventually she noticed that the water around her feet that had made her legs feel like ice was starting to rise. The tide was coming in. She dared to look up towards the village, and there through the reeds she could see that the warriors had gathered around some great flame, probably a home they had burnt down, and there they were drinking and making merry, and all the riches of the town were gathered around them. She looked, strapped to her waist was her reading knife and she made her way towards the Viking longships that had been left abandoned on the flats. She slowly crept closer to them and saw that they were all tied. But now, as the sea was starting to come in, they were starting to bob upon the water. An idea came into her head, a wicked idea, but one she thought that could turn the tide of this battle, if you like. She pulled out her knife, started to cut the ropes that tied the boats to the flats. And there, surely enough, they started to float. One by one, each of them bobbed upon the tide and then started to be pulled out to sea. She chuckled under her breath and then made her way back to her hiding place. Later, just as the sun was starting to set, just as the moon was starting to rise, just as the time between times was upon us, she noticed that the warriors were returning to their ships laden with the treasures. She hid once more. They turned the bend and noticed that the ships were now far out to sea and bobbing incessantly on a tide with no one to guide them. They cried out in horror and rushed down to the shore, throwing all the treasures to the ground and crying to their gods. And then something happened that Edith did not expect. From the hillock with the pyre, she noticed a group of villagers start to appear. And then more, and then more, and then more, as all the villagers from the nearby towns and villages had gathered and now the Viking raiders were trapped, with their backs to the sea. The villagers rushed from the hillock and ploughed into the Vikings, who were totally unprepared for this counter-attack. Some of them rushed into the sea, only to drown, while others went down on their knees and begged for forgiveness. The victory was total and complete. Every one of the warriors was either slain or taken prisoner. And when the village elders heard of what Edith had done, 
a huge celebration was undertaken. There she was heralded as the hero she was, and her name has been passed down in generations. Edith, the saviour of Bleeden, driving the Vikings into the sea, on her own and old, but full of courage on that day long, long ago. And that, my friends, is a short but lovely tale of the Battle of Bleeden. Little known, that one, but very good. You can imagine Edith making her way out there, cutting the ropes for the ships. <laughs> you can imagine the look upon the Vikings' faces as they saw them starting to bob and weave, going out to sea. And the realisation that they had been undone by the most unlikely of fellows. I enjoyed that. I've enjoyed your company here tonight at the Time Between Times. Take care going back. The path is winding, but you know it well. Make sure you get back safely. Place your coat on the hook. Go inside and make yourself something warm to drink, but know that you will soon return here for another tale traditionally told by myself. If you wish to support me, please go to ko-fi.com forward slash Owen Staten. Or maybe join my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Owen Staten 7. Or just drop me an email. Podcasting can sometimes be lonely work. Owen Staten at aol.com or follow me on Twitter at Owen S. Griffiths. Your company is very much appreciated. Happy New Year, my friends. Diolch an fawr. And I shall see you soon at the time between times. The time it's neither night nor day, but the sun is gone and the sky is grey. Huil fawr.